you have your Bible, we're turning to four verses in the Scripture tonight as we come to a close. First of all, in John's Gospel, chapter 3, please. And then we're taking another reading in John 14. And then we're going over into 1 Corinthians and then just to the book of Revelation. Four, four readings tonight, uh, just as we conclude uh, our time together. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, and commencing to read, please, in verse 3. Well-known passages of the Word of God. In verse 3 it says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, chapter 14, please, of John's Gospel. Another well-known uh, reading and verse 1. John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, 1 Corinthians, please, and to chapter 15. Just keep turning over to the right, and you'll come through John, Acts, Romans, and then to the little epistle to the church at Corinth. In chapter 15, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and just verse 47. In verse 47 we read, The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Now finally, please, over to the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 20, and in verse 14, the last book of your Bible, in Revelation chapter 20, and verse uh, 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And we know the Lord will add a blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we just need your help tonight. And we ask as we come to your word, we pray for that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, in these last moments of this meeting, that you will come, Lord, and Father, minister into hearts. And I surrender myself again to thee. Pray, Lord, that you will sanctify my body, soul, and spirit. And Lord, that you will just come tonight. And Lord, that the sense of your presence will intensify even as we come to an end tonight. We ask it. In thy name and for thy sake. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight in closing about four seconds. I'm not going to talk to you for four seconds. I'm going to talk to you about four seconds. I want to talk to you tonight about the second man. Then I'm going to say something about the second birth. We read in John's Gospel, chapter 14, about the second coming. 
And then I'm going to fi finish off by talking about the, the second death. Four seconds. The second man, I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not, but we read about it together in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul, the apostle, he said that the second man is the Lord from heaven. Before I would talk to you about the second man, I think tonight I would need to talk to you about the first man. The first man that ever lived, the first man that ever stood upon the broad acres of this world was a man that we all know by name. And while we have never met him, we have heard about him, and he influences us to this very day. I would love to bring you tonight into the Garden of Eden. I would love you to come with me for a moment after God has brought all the creation into being. He has brought the stars, he has brought the mountains, he has brought all of the lovely features of creation into being. And then he begins to make man. And what he does is he takes the dust of the earth and he forms a man. And he makes his hands and his eyes and his ears all of the, the features that a, a man has. Uh, and he makes Adam this first creature, this, this first human being. And his form is lying upon the ground. And then the Bible says God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And for the first time, Man's eyes just opened. What a wonderful thing that must have been for Adam to be in the garden. The first moment that he opened his eyes, he must have been looking into the very glory of God. Whenever he came and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And here Adam, in the garden of Eden, God put him there and he had to, he had to keep it. And what a wonderful experience that would have been. No weeds there, no thorns there, no thistles there. No sin there. All was perfect and all was marked by beauty and by perfection. No blemish. And Adam was in the, the, in the garden and the Bible says that God came in the cool of the day and communed with him. There's this fellowship that Adam had with God, just to think about that. So often we talk about God as this individual in a faraway sphere. But Adam was this man, the first man that ever lived. And he actually had fellowship with God in the garden. He walked in the cool of the day. I don't know what they talked about. I don't know how long they walked together. I don't know uh, what, the, what was on Adam's heart whenever the Lord came and just spoke with him day after day. What a wonderful thing that must have been. And as they were walking in the garden, I'm sure the Lord often said, maybe to Adam, he said, Adam, you know, there's that tree. Don't touch that tree. Don't, don't ever eat of that fruit of that tree. The tree of, the, of knowledge and evil, of life and death. And you'll remember how Adam, how he went into that deep sleep. And God took one of Adam's ribs and he formed a woman. And a man said to me recently, he said, you know, woman, a woman has been a problem from Adam's rib to a woman's lib. I think that's true. And here was this man. He, he opened his eyes after he went into a deep sleep. And there was a woman there, a helpmeet for him. And he loved her. And you remember how Eve was in the garden and the serpent came and beguiled her by his subtlety. And she took of the forbidden fruit. And then she came to Adam and she gave it to her husband, and he knew what it was. He knew that he shouldn't take it, and he took it. 
And as his teeth went into that forbidden fruit, my, there was something happened that he never experienced before. There was something happened that creation never experienced before. And what happened for the first time in the existence of Adam was this. He was separated from God. Now, I know that you find, and I find that hard to understand tonight. But whenever you think that this man must have known something of the intimate sense of the presence of God in his life, he knew what it was just to be veiled in the very Shekinah glory of God. And that's why whenever he ate of the forbidden fruit that his eyes was opened and he, he was naked, the covering was gone. And for the first time he stood in the Garden of Eden with all of the beauty, with all of the perfection. And as he disobeyed God for the first time, he was separated from his Creator. And you remember what happened. He he went and he hid himself among the trees, him and Eve. They went and they, they made fig leaves to cover their shame. And that's exactly what sin does. It brings shame. The Bible says that your sin has separated between you and your God. And here in the Garden of Eden, here is Adam after he has disobeyed God for the first time. And he now knows that there's a separation between him and his Creator. He sees his shame, he feels his guilt, and he, he runs and hides himself. And then God comes again. And he cries out, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And he says, I, I was afraid, I heard your voice, and I hid among the trees. And God brought him out into the open. You know, every single one of us tonight in this meeting, we all come from Adam. That's why we never had to be told how to steal. That's why we never had to be told how to lie. That's why the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 5, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And you and I tonight are descendants of Adam, the first man that ever lived. And you and I have inherited the problem of sin. And because of that, every single one of us are going to die. You see, Adam, that day that he disobeyed God, his spirit died. And while he was physically alive, that part of, of man, uh, man is a tripart being. There's a body, there's a soul, and the spirit. And the spirit is that part of every one of us that connects with God. And that's why whenever you and I are born into the world as a little baby, whenever that may have been, whenever you and I were born into the world, we had physical life, but we were born spiritually dead, separated from God. We couldn't hear his voice. We couldn't sense his presence. We couldn't enjoy fellowship together with him because of sin. Whenever Adam sinned in the garden, they had to be put out of the garden. They were separated from him. And I wonder, have you ever discovered tonight in this meeting that whenever you were born, you were born just as I was, born separated from God because of Adam's sin. But then there's not only the first man, there's the second man. The Bible says when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. And after men had tried to please God by keeping the law and government and all of the things that we see in the Word of God where they tried to win merit with God and couldn't do it, when the right time came, God sent forth His Son. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you, he stepped down from heaven. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And here Mary, I tell you, brought into the world the second man, the second man that ever stood in this old world that was sinless. You see, Adam was sinless when he was made, but then he sinned. But the Lord Jesus came into this world, not only was he sinless, let me say this to you now, he couldn't sin. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And always remember this, that whenever the devil was tempting him in the wilderness, what God was doing was showing to the world that his son couldn't, could never sin. He couldn't be broken. My dear people, the Lord Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And the Lord Jesus, whenever he went into the wilderness, those 40 days when he was tempted of the, of the devil, those 40 days when the enemy came again and again and again, you know what God was doing? God was setting his son on a pedestal before the very devil himself and said, try him whatever way you want, try him and test him, and you will never break him because he's sinless. He can never sin. You know, whenever a man builds a bridge... Maybe he puts a lorry across it, and that's what they did with the London Bridge whenever the London Bridge was first built. Men and women didn't even trust it. They didn't think the structure would hold, and what the architect did was he got all the steamrollers in that area just all day to go back and forward over the London Bridge, and what he was saying, look, I'm telling you, this bridge can never be broken. It'll stand the weight, and that's what the Lord Jesus did whenever he went down into the wilderness. My, he was showing to the world that the devil will never break me. He broke, he broke Adam, but he could never break the second man. And the Lord Jesus Christ, I can tell you this man, it says of him that the second man is the Lord from heaven. Adam came up. He came up from the dust. But the second man came down. And I was thinking this afternoon, just as I was thinking about this message as it came to my heart, was this, what a person that he was. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. I would love to have been there. And every single one of us, we know what it is to be domineered and defiled by sin. But he never knew anything about that. He was the one that was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. What a man he was to meet. And the Bible says that he, he was despised and rejected of men. What did the demons say about him? You remember whenever he went to the demonic of Gadara. And that man that was filled with a legion of demons, this is what the very demons said. They said, we know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. What about the devil? The devil could come and the Lord Jesus could say, he, he has nothing in me. The disciples said that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Judas, after he had betrayed him, this is what he said, I have sinned in that, in that I have betrayed innocent blood. What a man he was. But there's not only the person that he was, there was the power that he had. As he stood in the, in the storm in the Galilee, he had the power to rebuke the wind and the waves. He had the, he had the power to raise the dead. He, he had the power to take the five loaves and the fish and, and break them and feed the multitude. He, he had the power, my dear people, to touch the leper and to give sight to the blind. And the power that he displayed again and again and again. And this is what he said. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And one of the most wonderful things is whenever that boy was dropped down through the roof, he was lying on a bed, he was sick of the palsy. And you remember how the Lord Jesus told him to take up his bed and walk. And then he said this, that ye may know that the Son of Man has power 
on earth to forgive sin. Oh, what a wonderful man. There's not only the person that he was and the power that he had. What about the price that he paid? Because here the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the one who knew no sin and did no sin, think about it like this. He died for my sin and for yours. That there on the cross of Calvary, my, he took the guilty sinner's place. And the Apostle Peter said this, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. All of my filthy sin, all of my depravity and all of my rebellion against God, everything that I have done, all of my lies and all of my sin, all of the filth that I have done in my life, the Lord Jesus, my dear people, he became accountable for the sin that he never committed. What a man. And all of your sin tonight. And if you and I could see what one sin is like in the eyes of a holy God, if you and I could, tonight could see what one lie would be like in the, the eyes of our Creator, if we could see what, what an act of lust or an act of adultery is like through the lens of the eyes of omnipotence, I tell you, every one of us, we would recoil in our very heart to think of the one that is holy and the one that was worshipped by angels. He came and not only was wrapped in swaddling clothes and not only was stripped and beaten and marred more than any man. Oh, my dear people, whenever men had exhausted their venom and wrath upon him, let me tell you this, all my sin was laid on him. When the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, went down into the depths where there was no standing, and he was there in between the, the upper and the nether millstone of the wrath of God. And there the Lord Jesus, I can tell you, he, he went down into the very depths. And all of the sin that I and you have committed in all of your life, he on the cross of Calvary in those three hours, you know what happened? He paid for it in full. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I can tell you, my dear people, the Bible says that he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is, a, this is a second man. But there's not only the person that he was and the power that he had. I can tell you in the price that he paid, there was the provision that he made to think that he died for you and me and to think that he satisfied the wrath of God my, my dear people, to think that the claims of a holy God that are against us there in the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ could be heard to cry, it is finished, paid in full, nothing more to do. And there, I tell you, he made provision for you and for me to think that the Lord Jesus, the creator, the sustainer of heaven and earth would actually die for a reptile sinner like Stephen Riddle, to die for people like you and I, that have rebelled against him and maybe even blasphemed him, definitely doubted him and maybe even rejected him for so many years of our life. And maybe you're still here tonight and you're not saved to think that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you, even you. What a wonderful story. There's not only the second man, there's the second birth. The Lord Jesus, when he was alive, he, he came in contact with this man that was called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel. Most historians say that he would have known word for word, off by heart, the first five books of the Bible. He, he would have known all about the law. He would have known all about Moses. He would have known all of the history about Abraham. He would have known all about the prophets. He would have known a lot about God. 
And he came one night to the Lord with a question on his heart. And the Lord Jesus just turned the whole situation around. And this is what he said to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again. And here Nicodemus starts to question in his heart, how, how can a man that is old be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb and be born the second time? My dear people, I want to tell you, if you're ever going to get into heaven, if you're ever going to have peace with God, if you're ever going to have that fellowship restored with your Creator that was broken through Adam's sin, if you're ever going to enjoy fellowship with Him and communion with Him, you know what will have to happen? You'll need to be born again. Born again. You see, what I said earlier on about the spirit that is dead, it's like the, the antenna. It's like an antenna. The spirit is that part of us that connects with God. And that's why whenever we're born into the world, we're, we're born separated from God. The Bible says that we're dead in trespasses and in sin. But the moment that you and I come into this vital relationship and we're born again, you know what happens? Our spirit, the Bible says, is quickened. It's made alive. Whenever a child is born, whenever you were born, whenever little Emily was born, she was born into a family. And whenever a sinner discovers that they are a sinner and that they have a soul that needs to be saved and at the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ died for them and shed his precious blood and they repent of their sin and they put their trust in Christ, they are born again by the Spirit of God and their spirit is made alive and they come into the family of God. The Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him. To them give He the power, or the right, or the authority to be called the sons of God. Are you in the family tonight? Whenever a baby is born, they don't have a past. You know, my dear people, I want to tell you, whenever a person is born again, God deals with the past. All of the chains and all of the stains, he, he brings you into the family and he deals with the past as far as the east is from the west. So far have I removed your transgressions from you. Whenever a baby is born, they get life. And there's a cry, there's a desire for, for milk, there, there's a desire for food. And whenever a person is born again, they have a desire, a desire I can tell you for the word of the living God and there's signs of life there. It's not just a profession. And here to be born again, the Bible talks about being born from above. Now let me ask you a question tonight. Have you ever been born again? It doesn't really matter how religious you are. It doesn't really matter if you're like Nicodemus, and I'm sure he was a lovely man, and I'm sure he would have been a nice neighbor. I'm sure it would have been wonderful to work for him. I'm, I'm sure he was very kind and very gracious. But Nicodemus, with all of his religion and all his good works, if he had died, I tell you, he would have still went to a lost eternity. And the Lord Jesus said, Marvel not, don't be surprised when I tell you, listen to it, ye must be born again. The second birth, the spiritual birth. Have you got a second birthday? Have you got a moment in your life when you can look back to like Sylvia Batchelor and say, that was the night, where, that was the day where I was born again. That was the day when I put my trust in Christ and my, my spirit was made alive. I, my spirit was quickened and I came into the family. Uh, God dealt with the past and I got life that day and I'm never, I've never been the same again. It's a wonderful thing to be born again, my dear people. It's a wonderful thing to know that you're in the family of God. 
And there's so many people in the world and their family reject them and their husbands no longer love their wives and children that have forgotten their parents. But whenever you're born into the family of God, the Lord Jesus said, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That's it, my dear people. There'll only be people that are born again in heaven to be made into the family and brought into the family of God all because of the work of the cross. Now, there's not only the second man and there's not only the second birth. We read in John 14 about the second coming. This man that we've been talking about tonight, the Lord Jesus, he is actually coming again. And I know we say that even as evangelicals, but to think that I was so overwhelmed with it today, to think that I am going to see him someday. That he is actually coming again. And he's coming for me. The Lord Jesus in John 14 said, I, If I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. It's a promise. My, he promised it. He said, if I go, I will come again. There's not one promise that the Lord Jesus has ever broken. And if he has gone, I tell you, he will come again. He could come tonight. And it's the promise that the Lord Jesus has given. I will come again. To think of that. To think that the one that was on the cross, the one that the Pharisees spat upon, the one that, that, that Pilate cross-examined, the one that Judas sold, he is actually coming back. The one that Mary saw in the garden as she stood at the entrance to the tomb and the stone was rolled away and she thought it was the gardener she was talking to, but it actually was the Lord himself. My, he's actually coming back again. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And I get excited whenever I discover this. He's coming back for me. And if you're saved tonight, he's coming back for you. I tell you, this second coming, he promised it. There's not only the promise of his coming there's a preview of his coming. You remember the Lord Jesus, he told a story about ten individuals. They were virgins. And what they were doing, they were, they were getting prepared for a wedding. And the bridegroom was coming, but they didn't know when he was going to come. And what they did, they got their, their wedding garments on, and they, they got their little lamps, and they, they trimmed them, and they had everything ready. And the Bible says, while they waited, they all slumbered and slept. And then the, the bridegroom came. And as he came, they were not prepared for his coming. And there was five of them. You remember how they woke up and how they, they trimmed their lamps and they, they put the little wick and they, they lit it and, and they went out to meet the bridegroom. But there was five and there were five foolish virgins and there was no oil in the lamp. They looked exactly the same on the outside. But my dear people, the problem was not on the outside. The problem was on the inside. And if you're not saved tonight, it's not really the outward appearance is the problem. It's the inside's the problem. And you remember how they were caught out. And that's a wonderful preview of the coming of the Lord because I can tell you there'll be those that will be caught up and there'll be those that will be caught out. And they have the Bible and they have the religious veneer and they have all of the exteriors of Christianity. But the problem is not on the outside. The problem is on the inside. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things pass away, and all things become new. That's a little preview of the coming of the Lord. The Lord Jesus said that he's coming as a thief in the night. Then you'll remember another preview. There's two that will be lying in the bed. There'll be a husband and there'll be a wife. 
And they'll say goodnight to one another and they'll maybe talk before they go to sleep about, about how they got on during the day and they'll talk about the family and then the husband will kiss his wife goodnight and he'll turn over and he'll, he'll just go to sleep. And sometime in the middle of the night the Lord will come and the Bible says one shall be taken and the other left. It's a little preview of the coming of the Lord. And I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was the husband that was left or the wife that was left. But whoever it was, I can tell you, whenever they woke up and discovered that their partner was gone, it's a little preview of the coming of the Lord. The Bible says that there's two in the field. One man will be turning the, the corner of the field and he'll be turning his John Deere around and he'll be coming down another swathe of grass and he'll maybe have the baler on or he'll, ha he'll maybe have the rake on and he's maybe blowing grass into the trailer and there's a, a Christian man who's driving the other tractor and he's just coming up to speed and suddenly the Lord will come back. And one man will drive on and then the tractor, the other tractor, hey, there's nobody there anymore. The, the Lord has come. One man has been caught up and the other man has been caught out. It's a little preview of the coming of the Lord. The Bible says that there'll be two in the mill, in the factory or in the shop. One will be working at the till and maybe the other person will be stacking the shelves and they'll be talking away about the weather or, or talking about their family or the community. And suddenly the Lord will come and the Bible says one shall be taken and the other left. What an awful thing. That word left really burnt into my heart today. To be loved and to be lost, but to, to be left behind. I tell you, there's not only the promise of his coming. And there's not only the little preview of his coming. I tell you, there's a tragedy of his coming. To think that whenever the Lord Jesus comes again and receives his people onto himself in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord in the air. And maybe God has been speaking to you about getting saved, and you, you put it off and said, some other time, Lord, and suddenly God comes, the Lord Jesus comes, and the door of grace is shut, the opportunity is gone. And the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's not only the second man and there's not only the second birth. There's not only the second coming. There's a second death. I don't really know how to describe that to you tonight. But I would encourage you to go home and read your Bible later on and read Revelation chapter 20. But I can tell you the second death is going to be some event. You say to me, Stephen, what is it? Well, if a man or woman let me paint the picture for you tonight. Whether they're in the meeting not saved or whether they're in Dungannon Let's say some individual in Dungannon, a good man, he's a parent, he's a good husband, he's getting ready for work tomorrow, but he's not saved. And suddenly death comes. Maybe it's a car accident, maybe it's a madman with a gun, maybe it's a heart attack, whatever happens, this man in Dungannon somewhere tonight, he dies. And he's not saved, he's not born again, he, he's went to church, he's maybe been to his church today, he's maybe been confirmed, he's been, maybe been baptized, but he's never been born again. He's a good man, but he's not born again. What happens to that man, let me tell you, his body will just be laying in the casket, but that's not it. His soul, I can tell you, will, will go to a place that's, the real Greek word is the word Hades. It's the word that is used in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. The Bible says that the rich man was buried, that's his body, but his soul, it says, and he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He never lifted up his eyes in time, but now he's lifting up his eyes in eternity, but he's, he's lost. 
And he said that I am tormented in this flame. But my dear people, let me tell you that tonight. While he will go to that place, and while he will go down into the flames of this place that the Bible says in Luke 16 is hell or Hades, he'll be there, I can tell you, and he'll be tormented. He'll be there in the fire. He'll be there in the flame. He'll be there without even a drop of water. And there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That will be bad enough, but that's not the end. What will happen after the tribulation period and after the millennial kingdom? After all of that has happened, you know what the Bible says. John said, after all of that, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And if that man tonight in Dungannon or here tonight, if you're not saved and you die and you, your body is laying in the casket and then three days later goes into the grave, but you're really down in a lost eternity, what will happen is there's coming a day when there's going to be a resurrection. And what's going to happen is that your body that you have now, that body that you have used to defy God and rebel against God and to, to, to blaspheme God and enjoy all the pleasures of sin, that body will be resurrected. And what will happen is your, your soul will be brought up out of that place of Luke 16. And they'll be reunited for the first time since you died. And whenever you stand there, you know what you'll see whenever you open your eyes. The Bible says, I saw the dead, small and great. Listen to this. Stand before God. That body that you used as an instrument to, to sin, that body that was maybe used to indulge yourself in immorality and drink and drugs or lies or whatever it may have been, will be standing before God. And the Bible says that heaven and earth fled away. There was no place to hide. There's no barrister there. There's no defense there. There's no jury there. There's no appeal there. There's no probation there. Just you and God. And then the Bible says the books will be opened. And all of the sin that you've ever committed, all of your lies and all of your lusts will all be put back to you as a record of your life, how you live. The opportunity that God gave you in this world to glorify Him and to live for Him and to please Him, you used it to defy Him and to rebel against Him. And as Frank Sinatra said, I will do it my way, but now the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You'll not argue that day. You'll not, you'll not raise your hand and say, Lord, you've got that wrong. Or you'll not say, Lord, but, but Lord, I didn't really do that. It's all recorded. God has it all penned down. And then after it all has been read out, every sin, all of the deeds of your life, the Bible says that death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, listen to it, was cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death. It's a literal place. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 that, the, the, that they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And my dear people, I can't paint a picture for you tonight like that. If you and I were to see men and women in a burning building with the flames coming round them and we would hear the screams and we would hear the cries for help, my, after 15, 20 minutes, the cries would stop and the, the screams of agony would come to an end because death has come. But this is the second death. This is a continual death. They're ever burning but never burn out. They're ever falling but they never hit the bottom. It's not only literal, it's eternal, it's continual. And I can tell you, my dear people, it's awful. I can't paint a picture for you like that. But if you're in this meeting tonight and you're not saved, that's your final destination. All hope gone forever if I die as I am. You say to me, Stephen, that's a very, very depressing message. 
You see, that's exactly where the gospel comes in. Because I want to tell you, my dear people, there's still a way out. And that's because the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross and there on the cross of Calvary in those three hours, all that you would endure if you die in your sin in that lake of fire, all of the torment and all of the agony for eternity was condensed into three hours and laid upon my blessed Savior. And there he finished the work that the Father gave him to do. He satisfied the claims of a holy God and the Lord was raised again on the third day and because he lives, he is able to save you tonight. He's able to keep you. What a wonderful, what a wonderful man. And the message of the gospel, I can tell you, is a message you don't have to pay for. It. You don't have to work for it. You have to receive it. And if you're tonight on your way like that rich man in Luke's gospel, chapter 16, and if you were to die tonight and go to a lost eternity, and then many, many years later after the millennial kingdom, you're to be resurrected, and actually stand before God. Think of that. Actually to stand before Him. And say, oh my Lord, I've heard about this place, but now I'm actually here. I've read about that place, but now I'm actually here. And I know what's going to happen. I know there's no appeal. I know there's no way out. And the Father of God could maybe actually say to you and say, well, what did you do with my son? And you say, well, I knew about him. I, I knew I needed to receive him, but I never did it. And then he will take the book and he will look and say, is your name in the book? Check and see if his name is there. No, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. And then it says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. My dear people, as I close tonight, don't go to that place. Put your trust in Christ. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. Hallelujah. He will save you now. Let us pray. Father, we bow before thee tonight and we just... Who is sufficient for these things, Lord? And yet, Lord, we thank you that the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, came and he, he died on our behalf. And we thank you for that blood that was shed and we thank you for that door that was opened. We thank you that fountain that was opened for sin and for uncleanness. And no matter who is here tonight and no matter who is listening, we thank you tonight there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. We thank you that there is a door that is open and sinners still may go in. And we pray tonight that, Lord, individuals, whether they're in this meeting or listening later on, will avail themselves of the offer of salvation and repent of their sin and put their trust in Christ, even as our brother, our sister Sylvia did so many years ago and her brother Trevor. We pray tonight that men and women will call upon the name of the Lord, and we thank you, oh, we bless thee, that those of us that are saved, we will never know anything about the second death. We will never know anything, Lord, of the flames of a lost eternity. We'll never know anything, Lord, of the, the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. And, Lord, that is all because of that work of the cross. And we pray, Lord, as we part one from another tonight, that you, Lord, would burn these things upon our heart to think that people that we meet on the road, to think that people that we live with, good people, people that we see every day, if they're not saved, they will, Lord, go through this second death. Put a passion in our heart for souls. Give us a burden and a love for dying men. 
And we pray, Lord, that you will come and, Lord, take us and use us and bless us. We pray that thou part us now with thy fear and with thy blessing. We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen.